0: Let's go, focus, breathe, now pull the thing up. Go, 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 up! You've got it, Roden you've got it. Stand, stand up!
1: Hello and welcome. This is Under the Bar. It is the Clean Health Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. We do appreciate and yes. value your downloadership. Mm. Uh, my name is Tom Hewitt. With me, as always, is Roden Debar And, uh, Rawdon, you might actually have to just nurse me through this one, mate. I- I've just come out of my extremely oh. cortisol-inducing Ooh. monthly meeting with monthly. the founder.
0: Oh, yes. I, I do... Uh... Cringe a little when I see that in my diary. It's meeting with the big dog, and I say, like, "What's he going to do this yeah, month?" Yeah, you come so,
1: out of that with a, a list of to-dos as long yeah, as your arm.
0: A harsh reality check when you, <laughs> when you see Dane day, and it's. Uh,
1: and all of a sudden, now our, our humble little <laughs> podcast is growing into this monster. Where monster. You, you know it needs to be integrated into the yep. uh, the clean health mass marketing machine. It's uh, yeah. the cortisol inducement. Is, the adrenals oh, are buzzing.
0: Maybe Just, a little. Uh, a bit of licorice root extract or something, just to, uh, just get, to get you then. by. Well, maybe a we shot should. Shot of magnesium.
1: Maybe we should take this opportunity, just very briefly, Rawdon, to actually explain to those listeners out there who hear us making light of this cortisol thing from time to time, but don't actually know what it is. Cortisol is a stress hormone. It's secreted by the adrenal glands yes. in response to some sort of physical or psychological yep. stress. And uh, I guess back in the uh, back in the day
0: Paleolithic times
1: cortisol production would be ramped up in a, an emergency so say yep. there was some sort of uh, woolly mammoth or predator a mm-hmm. big predator coming your way you yep. get that burst of cortisol if you are hungry or going through a period of starvation what cortisol will do it will actually it will secrete and access uh, amino acids in the muscle yeah, and the convert muscle. them yep. to, to glycogen yep. to fuel energy to then go and find food Glute. but of course once the predator, is out of the way and you're free and you're safe. Boom. And once you've found your food, boom, cortisol, all gone. done. All gone. gone adrenal from. glands have stopped uh, vibrating. Yeah, and it goes straight back down. In the, the modern era, of course, you have your monthly meeting with the founder. Yep. You get an email from the boss. That's right. Uh, the girlfriend nags about something. Yep. And yep. you get that little buzz. Traffic, but, red yes, light. All of these little mm. stimulus throughout your day yep. where you get that just that feeling which you know it's a sensation of anxiety or some sort of stress and there's cortisol pumping out Mm. and we do make light of it from time to time but in terms of getting someone in good shape, maximizing body composition, chronic exposure to low level cortisol production over a long period of time really can play havoc with your your body's ability to be able to uh, respond to even the most perfect training and nutritional stimulus.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the perfect training and uh, nutrition stimulus may be putting additional stress on the body. Yeah. Additional stress that you want to uh, transform the body, but if you're already in that... A uh, hyper sensitive state, you know, because you've, you've been living in this cortisol induced world, which most people are. Mm. Yeah, modulating cortisol and, and and really taking the ball by the horns with that one is something that that we do do down at the CHPC. And um, looking at things like, doesn't necessarily have to be supplements, Tommy. Our stance on this show is is more supplements are an addition to getting everything else right. But looking at your, you know, your sleep and just general reducing stress and even things like the, you know, I think we mentioned it before, the grateful log, going to sleep and. And writing some positive thoughts when you when you go to sleep. All these little things add up to a big thing, which is less stress, less cortisol, and um, lo and behold, uh, uh, you know, body comp change.
1: Yeah. Coming up on the show this week, we'll have the week that was. Big week. The big week that's been out at the CHPC, exercise of the week. We're going to have a look at dumbbell pressing.
0: Oh, staple. Entry
1: mm. into uh, upper body pressing movements. Yep. Uh, our superfood for the week, we're looking at eggs. Oh, a- they may very well be the most superfied superfood that we've yeah, ever looked the, at or ever could look at. Yes,
0: the most super of all superfoods. They
1: really are amazing. We can dispel a few myths along the way there as yep. well. Uh, training program of the week. We're program. gonna have a look at a six twelve twenty-five method. This is a, a fat loss method.
0: Bit of a fat loss theme this week, Tommy.
1: A fat loss theme to the program. Anyone who's done a six twelve twenty-five will tell you that it's very unpleasant, very challenging. Mm, mm. Supplement of the week, caffeine. Ooh. Sticking with the fat loss theme, caffeine is one of the few uh, nutrients or substances that have been uh, proven in many studies to yep. help mobilise and free fatty acids for yeah, um, yeah. for energy use and expenditure, and good for fat loss.
0: Yeah, found in coffee, which most people uh, can't get through a day without.
1: And our special guest on very special this episode, Rawdon is Keegan Smith. Yep, Keegan is the strength and power coach for the Sydney Roosters and unfortunately the Roosters got knocked out right at the pointy end of this season but their legacy over the last few years and certainly while Keegan has been a part of that setup obviously culminating in the grand final victory last season we're going to have a chat with to Keegan about what he does at the Roosters and on a broader sense um, his holistic approach to things the holistic approach to nutrition and lifestyle and getting people yep. and his athletes in the right mindset um,
0: yeah the holistic approach to handstands but no it'll be awesome to have Keegan in I've uh, been following him for a little while and I really love what he does so it would be great to chew his ear off
1: and the show of course brought to you by Easy Eating yep Easy Eating of course you can check them out at easyeating.com.au they provide a meal service to the greater Sydney area uh, get all your food and your protein sorted out. And later yep. in the show, we'll give you a chance to win a week's yes. worth of easy Not gonna eating. Not
0: going to give it away, though, but you'll uh, have to work for it. You can earn it. Yeah.
1: And of course, Jordan, as we uh, like to say every week in this program, anything yep. that you and I do discuss is you know, just our what we've experienced out yep. at Clean Health. By no means is it the only way to, yep. to do something. It's our little spin on things, and yeah. we can sort of take it Often, a little bit.
0: Often uh, rationalized with a bit of science here and there, but uh, definitely a lot of in-the-trenches type stuff, stuff that we've applied ourselves to ourselves and uh, to our clients. So, um,
1: yeah. If you'd like to contact us, you can at podcast at cleanhealth.com.au. Jordan, you're known for producing consistent body composition transformations with your clients. Most typically, I guess, the stage competitors like to come yeah. to you and you prep them for physique competitions and that kind yeah. of thing. But from time to time, you do get the average client who comes in and you work on them. And then maybe halfway through that process, they decide that ultimately they would like to compete. Yep. You've had a client in uh, Scotty Kennedy yeah, who's had a pretty decent transformation over the last 12 to
0: 15 weeks. Yeah, 12 to 15 weeks, yeah. He, long term, does have a, you know, a desire to get on stage. That's always at the back of his mind. But it was basically get him in, see what we can do with his body, see what it does, get some fat off and uh, see what's underneath and then go from there. But yeah, Scotty Kennedy, um, I guess it was a good example of putting our systems that we do use down at the CHPC. A pretty textbook sort of process that I went through with Scotty and, and the end result. The before and after pics are, are pretty good. And um, I would sort of say it's it's two two thirds of a you know halfway to his uh, stage debut next year, but certainly a, a very good transformation that can get him into a pair of uh, speedos down at the beach uh, or at the swimming pool uh, this weekend. So he did well.
1: Yeah, so he took his body fat from 17.6 percent when he started, yeah. and over that 15 weeks he dropped 9.2 percent to be down around 8.4. That's a pretty good. You're losing about a little bit more than half a percent per week yeah. over a 12 to 15 week period that's is pretty textbook you know textbook kind of stuff so what sort of uh, systems did you if you could just give us a brief overview of for sure what you did with his training and nutrition over that period of time to affect that result
0: nice one i guess initially we we uh started him off by looking into his nutrition so obviously the detailed uh lifestyle analysis that, that we do initially structural assessment so I made sure he can move and uh Worth noting, he did have some surgery on his uh, groin, so uh, he had uh, some quite complicated surgery on his. Uh, no injuries. Uh, yes, so he it was about getting um, setting up those movement patterns again. So we, you know, the training side of things and gaining strength was a big thing for him too. And we certainly accomplished that. And There was a couple of kilos of lean muscle there as well, and all those assessment measures that you quoted are all using the Biocik. So um, that, that's the tool that we use to assess the, the progress of the or, or bioprint down at the CHPC. So for him, yeah, we, we basically did all the initial testing and found out what he could not couldn't do and then designed a program, a GBC variation at the start there. So Jim Bodycon, we mentioned that uh, earlier on, I think yep. in our uh, episode one, we talked about the GBC, the bread and butter. Uh, I generally start all my guys with GBC. So set up what I call, um, so basically set up nutritional baseline, so the calories he needs to get through his day. Now, it's not essential to count calories and do all this for all clients, but that's what I do with my clients. It is a lot of detail and yep. um, uh, it was good for Scotty. So basically set up baseline and from there increased cal- calories periodically, got him eating more, got him training more. He uh, ate more and more and lost more and more body fat. So it was really quite contradictory giving him more food. Uh, to what the, the general consensus is, You know, the, the, the school of thought is you need to eat less to drop fat, calories in, calories out. Yeah, that is true to a degree. But, you know, the training stimulus that we were applying and, and the fuel that we were putting in was, was going to good use. He was building muscle and dropping fat. So I guess for the first uh, seven weeks, six, seven weeks, it was primarily setting up baseline, putting on some muscle. So a brief period of about a month to, to put some muscle on. And then we, we only really tried to drop body fat for the last, uh, or specifically for the last uh, seven weeks uh, of his, uh, like you said, uh, 14 or 15 week prep. So yeah, it was pretty much baseline, increased calories, uh, changed training stimulus, got him eating more, got his body working more efficiently, you know, basic supplementation, reduced a bit of inflammation, got him going, put some muscle on, then let's start cutting, brought calories down a little bit, changed training stimulus, periodic refeeds, dropping calories, and that process of getting him down, the body fat level down each week, measured him every week, make sure it was coming off, using, like I said, refeeds when we needed it. And the end result was the you know sub 9% and uh, uh, 2 kilos up of uh, lean muscle, according to the to the bicep So it was, a, it was a great result. There's a bit of a
1: consistent theme when you think about the transformations that you've affected with your clients, mm. with yourself, yeah. uh, I know with myself and the clients I've had that have done these transformations. To get a really significant one and lose 10% or so of, of body fat, yeah. there's a bit of a perfect storm that needs to be created and there has to be an inherent ability to actually train with intensity yeah scotty was a guy who who had done a lot of training in the past he's a personal trainer himself he had been injured and out of action so the ability to then put him into a a stimulus and get a really good result from the intensity was was there before you started so it's
0: it was i mean it was a little biased that result because he was a little bit out of shape when he when he came to me but um but credit where credit's due he, he he didn't deviate from from what i outlined for him for pretty much the whole 14 or 15 weeks, no deviation whatsoever. So, yeah, yeah so it was a great result for, for, for Scotty all round. Now, with yourself,
1: Rawdon, I mentioned your transformation over yeah. quite a long period of time. I've actually got yeah. your stats here. I've oh, done, yes, yes. I've <laughs> rustled them up. Cause well, I you know I don't like talking about myself. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the talking for you, mate. So I have your bio C here because I get the calipers out. You and are they, my pincher. You know, try and uh, produce a little bruise on each side as I grab it aggressively. Well, you know I do. So this all started September 2013. That yeah. was when, one of my last results. but then in between then and when you really started in earnest, you went overseas to the states yeah. and got married and yeah
0: to the lovely Jenna. Let the,
1: uh, Hi, let, Jen. let the belt loose a couple of buckles and I did. But initially, your starting stats, or the best starting stats that we have, 96 kilos of body weight, 20.1% body fat, Ooh. 76.7 kilos of lean mass, according to uh, BioSig. BioSig. And then the last pinch, which was in July of this year, so we're looking at about an eight or nine month period.
0: But seriously, from the end of Feb. Yeah. So, so- February, I was away on holiday, then... Uh- Start of March, I guess, we started to uh, get serious.
1: The last stats were 93 kilos in weight, so 3 kilos down on the scales. Body fat, an even 10%. So you lost 10% in body fat. (laughs) And the lean mass, very impressively, 83.7. So over that period of time, you've basically dropped 10% body fat and put on 7 kilos of Of lean mass. And of course, lean mass will change depending on how much glycogen's in the system and and that kind of thing. But essentially, mate, that's a fairly significant transformation in your (laughs) body. We might even chuck your photos up on the website as well for people to have a look up. Put them next to uh, Scotty Kennedy's. Get Scotty's
0: up there and get mine up there for for anyone who's interested. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess, uh, this last phase I was working with uh, uh, getting my nutritional programming done by an IFBB pro called uh, Shelby Starnes uh, from Ohio in the in the U.S. So I uh, report to him every week, send him photos, and, and, and he sort of tells me what to adjust in my nutrition and cardio work and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I credit the, the, much of the transformation to uh, my work with, with Shelby.
1: One of the guys we're going to talk to in coming weeks on the show, well, yeah. another IFBB pro called Larry Venette. I've so good, been uh, training with Stefan Aenev. He's a level five coach down at Clean Health. He's prepping for the IFBB uh, Nationals. Yep. So I've been training with him and doing Larry Vinette's programs and um, made it very, very yeah. challenging. Yeah. You know, like...
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I watch you train, and one thing I'd say about you, Tommy, is you always you always train. You know, it's, it's, it's a rarity that I, I oversee you in a phase where you're not training. Mm-hmm. Even if you're under the weather, you know, you'll still get your session. It's something that you're almost not complete unless you, you've done X amount of sessions yeah. in the week. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, true. And, um, and I have not to say that you don't train hard when you're on yourself. It's a, it's a, a high intensity achieved by yourself, but you certainly have seen you out of your comfort zone and, uh, pushing yourself with, uh, with Steph, with, uh, Larry's programming. So, um. Yeah, yeah, it's credit where credit's do. well done mate well
1: always when you train with someone else yeah. even if it's a PT who's really no good and just stands there and counts reps just yeah. the very the, the fact that they're of there. having someone there yeah. with you will always push yourself a little bit harder yep. so it's been a good experience for me but what I've noticed is I'm having to eat so much food yeah. to actually get benefit out of these, these workouts because the density in these programs the amount of reps the huge volume the, volume, the, the, yeah. the minimal rest mm. I really wasn't sure if it was working for me until this last week or so when mm. you know I'm sneaking in tapioca puddings here oh, and there yeah. and you know I'm eating carbs with every meal and yep. just scoops of butter and coconut oil and all this kind of stuff just to try and get the calories in and finally the body seems to be responding so it's yeah um, well
0: you're uh, the heaviest you've been on the whole year, 92, 92 this morning 92 yeah. very good
1: I was about 87 when I started all this so it's well done Larry my, and uh, <laughs>
0: Stefan for, for giving you a kick up the butt yeah, yeah so keeping uh, t- up the big dog
1: tip to the hat to Larry and we'll get him on the program and, yep. and get his uh, he's going to be up in the coming weeks get his thoughts on, on what's happening Are you're, uh, you're listening to Under the Bar the Clean Health Podcast you can contact us at podcast at cleanhealth.com.au oh. Dumbbell pressing Uh, Staple Entry level Bang for buck Compound pressing movement For the upper body This is where you would start And even if you've been Training for a long time You can never get past Some dumbbell work It's uh, Mm. one of my favourite Aspects of resistance training Is working with dumbbells I find the The challenge of the implement And also the freedom Of movement you can have The comfort on the joints And the shoulders And all the variations You can use with dumbbells To be uh, really appealing to me Yeah
0: Definitely a bread and butter Movement there Tommy And uh you know, to be honest, uh, the, you you love it, and uh, I've been, uh, I guess, lifting heavy of late. So for me, it's always the heavy dumbbells, and it's like, uh, gotta go, <laughs> gotta yeah. go, pull them off the rack, yeah. set them on the knees, boost them up. So I've of have late been, uh, you know, gravitating more to the uh, barbell bench press, but which we'll get to in the in the coming uh, episode, which I just love. But yeah, the dumbbells, awesome, awesome movement. Let's talk about that.
1: So I think one of the first things to discuss, Rawdon, with dumbbell pressing is that it's not just an exercise to build the pecs or the triceps and the shoulders. Yes, those are the muscles, the prime movers in the exercise, but to execute the dumbbell press properly, it really starts from the feet working up. You need to have a stable base. Get your feet set. Glutes on. The glutes pressed on, the stabilizers through the back and the thoracic region all switched on. Get a nice thoracic extension.
0: Your traps locking in the scap, long voids holding everything tight.
1: As you're pushing the dumbbell, you're driving through your heels and the floor, sending power and energy up through the glutes, through the spine through the upper back and then out through the chest so executed properly it's a real bang for buck almost a total body
0: kind of movement yeah yeah even more so than i think a barbell bench press because you do have much more of those stabilizing muscles through the through the shoulder stabilizing the the dumbbell which wants to you know when you're pressing heavy unless you get that strict movement pattern that perfect movement pattern you slightly off you won't make the lift so those stabilizers really have to engage and um and bang for the buck, even through the, the, the scapula stabilizer, there's much more stress having um, you know, two dumbbells than holding a bar. So bang for the buck, yeah, you can't go wrong, especially okay. for fat loss. You know, if you think of fat loss, you want to try and stimulate as many muscles as you possibly can. The, you, know, you can't go wrong with uh, all the variations of the dumbbell press.
1: In a fat loss sense, one of the benefits of a dumbbell press is if there's no one there to spot you, just to keep pressing yeah. and pressing until absolute failure that and not have to worry it, yeah. about um, having a, a bar Stuck across your chest at the bottom, of, because you can just you can drop the dumbbells. On the flip side to that, for really heavy neural work and strength yeah. work, it's kind of hard to do any less than
0: four. Would you say? Yeah, we sort of thought about that. About four, I reckon.
1: Four to five reps with yeah. dumbbells. Any less than that, and it's just too taxing to actually get them off the rack and get them set yeah. in the position to press them effectively.
0: Yeah, four. Any less than four, you you, you know, for neural work, you really want to be looking at the barbell
1: down at the chpc we've got a nice rack of thick lovely grip, rack thick grip watson dumbbells yeah and basically above 10 kilos every dumbbell in the house has a, a thick grip to it
0: rotating handle yeah
1: it's quite foreign for people who come to the gym for the first time or are used to the old skinny dumbbells and then have to adapt to, to this thick implement but the benefits of the training stimulus are profound and you know once you get used to them i, I think it's probably the only way to press
0: yeah definitely um well, I mean, why don't we run through some of the the facts and figures with the uh, the, the thick grip? Oh, I mean, certainly. you can you can certainly use the um, uh, fat grips. You've probably seen those. You, know, you clip them onto the to the dumbbells or barbell, so you can replicate what we've we've got down at the CHPC with the Watson dumbbells. But you know, we've got yeah, pretty much everything you can think in, be it from pull up grip uh, handles, you know, oversized thick grips there to easy bars to uh, straight bars um, pretty much everything that you could possibly want in a thick grip we've got down yeah. there we've got the muffler yeah. which is a two and a half inch or three inch maybe the, the huge uh, 25 kilo barbell that's a, that's a beast to um bicycle that's for sure but you know I guess with the fat grips you know the research sort of says that the, one of the really cool things is uh, tendon muscle and ligaments equally strengthened so it's uh, when you do use the, the thick grip uh, implements it sort of spreads the load so all those parts of the the, the body are strengthening at the same time and if you know anything about weight training often that exponential uh, increase in, in strength uh, the tendons and the ligaments sometimes don't keep up and that's when injuries can occur. So yeah. less chance of injuries, I guess, using the, the thick handle uh, implements. So um, something to think about there. Uh, suggested that the mind-muscle connection is, is greatly enhanced. And that's one of the things that I think I uh, read something Arnie uh, spoke about back in the day is, is really important is getting that that mind-muscle connection and, and the ability to contract the muscle sort of the thick grips. That's better. Uh, enhances that. Irradiation, so gripping the thick grip you know it's it's sort of like you grip something thin and then you grip something thick and, and if you grip tight you'll feel the it radiates up the arm so your forearm has to brace your, your brachialis your yep. triceps engage your pec uh rhomboid your stabilizing through the scap just cuz you're gripping this thick implement so irradiation, a lot of a lot more muscle and again if fat loss is the key you know you're going to stimulate a lot more of the body using the thick grips less joint stress less chance of injury i mean it's a, it's a no brainer
1: you can log on to our website, cleanhealth.com.au forward slash podcast to have a look at a couple of videos of some different dumbbell pressing variations Ooh. and, you know, piece together what you're listening to with a bit of a visual as well. Yes, you're listening to Under the Bar with Rawdon and Tommy and Rawdon, I reckon, uh, in about a thousand shows time, when you're probably nearing the age of 60, and we've At exhausted... least 60, Tom. We've exhausted every superfood known to man. Mm. We may well mm. reflect back as to what is the most superistic food of them all and refer back to this very segment mm. uh, as we're discussing eggs. And possibly, and there's not a more nutrient-rich food... Dense. There's maybe not a more nutrient-dense food on the planet.
0: Well and truly a superfood, Tom. You know, I think the thing is with eggs is uh, it does have a little bit of everything in there, Tom.
1: Well, it does. I mean, it's got all the ingredients, all the material required to uh, to grow a, a, a life.
0: A complete protein, perhaps.
1: Yes. All nine essential amino acids. Yep. A whole range of vitamins, vitamin A, B vitamins, yep. selenium, lots of nutrients for the brain. And we might go into what some of these things do in a little bit of detail as well. Yes. Good but for the eyes,
0: lutein. Good for the eyes.
1: Very rich in antioxidants. Mm. Very delicious. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes, very delicious. Unlike
1: uh, you know, perhaps uh, apple cider vinegar or, or, yeah. or fibre yes. or some of those other superfoods, super yeah. which you really yeah. got to yeah. work to get them down yeah. the hatch. If there's any problem with eggs, it's eating too many.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, interesting point, Tom. Yes. Quite often people will have issues with eggs overconsumption, especially you know the uh, the clean health clients starting the day with protein and fats generally Um, you know I guess the way we do things down there we we, will rationalize that's a much better way to start the day in uh, brain function and uh, blood sugar profile for the remainder of the day and of course you're getting protein in in as well so fundamental for um, maintaining the muscle mass that we're so desperately trying to build.
1: And for a lot of new clients or clients that are new to that way of thinking and they've grown up on cereal or toast and stuff yeah. like that, sometimes the transition to protein and fats can be very daunting. Yep. And well, you might say, well, what do you have for Sunday breakfast if you go out to a cafe? Oh, bacon yeah. and eggs and something. All right, well, let's sort of transition you into maybe the meat and nuts breakfast with perhaps yeah. some bacon and eggs to start with. But yeah. then, obviously, I think what the point you were getting at is then they can just jump on the egg bag wagon yep. a little too hard
0: and just have Over-do too many. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think uh, over time, overconsumption of any food uh, will lead to issues, but yeah, eggs in particular. Uh, egg whites more so than, than the whole eggs too, Tom. So I know uh, a lot of old school uh, type bodybuilders will generally um, you know, advocate egg whites because uh, you know, the fats want to get fats down. At certain times of a competition prep, I think that has its place. But, you know, they, they're throwing out the best part of the egg, Tom. That's right. The tasty part of the egg. The, the egg yolk. The golden yolk. Yes, yes. Yes.
1: And I guess in a certain way, rawed eggs have been demonized probably since about the 1950s or thereabouts when there was this infamous study linking high cholesterol levels to heart disease, but it's been uh, fairly significantly debunked these days. and. And essentially, dietary cholesterol doesn't necessarily increase levels in blood cholesterol. No. It tends to be more inflammation in the body, which is uh, the issue. Which is the issue. Yeah, and the
0: thing is also, Tom, that if you restrict cholesterol, the body will just make more cholesterol if it's needed. That's right. So the consumption of saturated fats and cholesterol being the, the fundamental issue in regards to heart health and heart disease, and they're showing now that the correlation is not that. The fact that you have a a low intake of saturated fat and control cholesterol and have, in fact, low cholesterol uh, levels in the blood does not correlate to less chance of cardiovascular disease or anything like that. And, uh, Tom, a little bit of history. I mean, it it all started uh, back in the 50s by uh, an American nutritionist called uh, Ancel Keys. And he basically had a study that showed uh, he had six countries that really reflected after World War II that the a trend uh, in increased uh, heart disease and and uh, I guess uh, equated it to uh, an increase of uh, saturated fat. Um, but I mean the the study's since been never been able to be replicated. They've mm. never been able to show uh, those trends since. And um, when they looked into the study it was actually only six countries and the six countries uh sort of matched his theory exactly and and um but at the time there were you know obviously lots of other countries that showed that it wasn't the case and that there was no correlation with an increase of of saturated fat and and heart disease so yeah i mean we'll go into a little bit more detail in in regards to that cholesterol debunking the the cholesterol myth if you will and maybe, like we discussed, we thought we might try and get someone in to actually, you know, give the lowdown, someone of authority, a little more with, qualified with, uh, than you maybe, and I. Well, yeah. we do have the the white lab coats on today, but an actual doctor might come in and, uh, and not Doctor Dame McDonald, like a, a <laughs> uh, an official doctor, but and give us a bit of an overview because I'm sure our listeners would appreciate. Uh, uh, you know the facts, I guess, and, and the, the actual evidence that 's out there today, but but that 's getting off the beaten track tommy let 's talk a little bit more about eggs because well, they right. are our superfood and we, we do like them on a Sunday at some mallows bakery in crow 's nest <clears throat> <laughs>
1: well on that Rod I mean how do you what 's your preferred method of cooking because there's obviously there 's many ways to cook an egg, but yes. um, there have been some studies done on what is the most effective way to cook an egg in, yeah. in terms of the bioavailability of the protein and all the nutrients within the egg. Well, yes. And of course, if you're Rocky Balboa, you might just scull a few down raw yes. out of a glass, but it's actually uh, not necessarily the best way to
0: eat them. No, it's the digestibility of the protein is actually a lot greater when you actually cook them. Yeah. So compared to raw. So anyone that tells you that uh, you know the raw eggs is, uh, is better for you, I mean, they're still great for you. You do have a risk of salmonella, with the raw egg and and that for me that's enough that's (laughs) enough for me to enjoy my poached eggs and a bit of bacon on a Sunday it's a gross nest but it's sort of along the lines of 90% digestibility of the the protein compared to 51% Tom compared to uh, cooked and raw eggs yeah Uh, and I'll talk about in a second what is the best way to cook the eggs uh, if you really want to preserve all the nutrients but um the study that I'm, I'm referring to there, if anyone wants to sort of Google it, it's referred to as the digestibility of cooked and raw egg proteins in humans as assessed by stable isotope techniques. <laughs> the lab coat was well and truly on that for yes. that time, so uh, you almost I got the stethoscope to, uh, as well for that one. But... They sort of tested the breath at subsequent levels after they had consumed the raw, the cooked, and they worked out that um, more of the protein was digested when it was cooked. But for those 90 90 and 50, a little bit over 50% uh, for the uh, cooked and raw. So cooked eggs are the way to go. And I guess if you were cooking the eggs, Tom, you might be saying, well... Well, Rawdon, put that lab coat aside, get into the, the, the chef's hat on and, and give that's, me the lowdown on uh, That's right, let get in the trenches eggs. and actually cook some eggs. Yes. The yolks are what you want to be aware of, and, and excessive heat oxidizes the, the actual fat in the yolk. So if you yeah. want to, the fats intact and, and, and I guess those nutrients that, you, that we rattled off at the start, you want to get all those in, then think about cooking the egg. Soft boil is probably your number one. Go to soft boiled because so, you've still got the protection of the egg white, yeah, egg white, and, and the shell. The shell exactly, but soft boiled, not hard boiled. Yep. And I know, Tommy. I'm, I'm going to talk about poached eggs being second best, and yes. and, and it has the protection of the egg white. Now, you want to tell the listener about one of the things you hate because you're you're a fan of the it has to be cooked poached egg has to be done perfectly. perfectly. Yep. mate. Have you ever seen me angry? Well, I know you've seen me angry all the time, every but day. But every day. I'm a pretty mellow guy. Have you seen me, me angry?
1: No. Mate, you haven't seen me angry because you haven't yeah. seen me overcook an egg. Ooh. There's nothing Good that grinds my gears more than an overcooked <laughs> oh. egg. I like to be able to yep. slice into the egg and have yep, the yep. golden spill of yep. the life-giving richness, richness of the yolk spill out into my bacon and avocado. Yep. Lord knows I've tried to poach an mm. egg Master yep. Chef style, Yep,
0: Pete Evans style. Yeah, he's coming on the show next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is. No, seriously, he is. <laughs>
1: But I went and bought myself these poachy pouches. So it's basically like uh, some sort of cooking paper, which is somewhat translucent. And you translucent. put, you line a cup with the with the poaching pouch, crack your eggs in, and then drop them in boiling water. And then yep. hey to, presto, perfect eggs. Two to three minutes later, they're done. But if you do get sidetracked, or if the, all the variables aren't the same, and yep. they're staying there for a little yep. bit too long, yep. then you risk the hard yolk. And I just, uh, I can't. I can't abide. Tell
0: me, Tom, do you start again, or are you just? I have then, started
1: again. Yeah, depends probably, how many eggs you've got. I mean, that's the other issue. Yeah, you know. last down to the last. Uh, when you're having five at a time, there's not that many to go around. Sometimes, yep.
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. It,
1: what about a scrambled egg? Really, you know, like cooked dry wow. and
0: rubbery. bum. not so good there. You want to get uh, the soft uh, boiled egg or um or poached?
1: Maybe uh, our listeners out there might want to let us know how they cook their eggs. Yes. Perhaps they can send an email into cleanhealth.com.au and just give us a few tips on possibly
0: how I can avoid my egg rage. Egg rage, it's not good. And uh, but superfood definitely get into the eggs, Tom. Soft boiled, soft poached, it deteriorates from there, Tom. Yeah, Don't worry we'll about it the other down ways from there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Training program of the week. Ah, uh, yes. Sticking with fat loss on the show today. Under the bar, we're going to have a look at a six, twelve, twenty-five. It's a, a method of training which was popularized by Charles Poliquin, who you mentioned earlier in the yep. program, Rawdon. One of the benefits of this method, I guess, a, a tri-set. So you're doing three consecutive yep. exercises in a row, working the same body part most typically. Yeah. And you start with six reps, very little rest, into twelve reps. Right and then into 25 reps to finish that off. So you'll pick one body part, three different exercises, and go from 6 to 12 to 25. So it incorporates a variety of loads and basically covers the uh, neural to metabolic spectrum of targeting different muscle fibers as well. So you're getting type 2B, type 2A, and type 1 muscle fibers with that range of repetitions within the one workout.
0: Hell, Tom. It sounds like a perfect workout, All, all, all muscle fibers stimulated. It, it, you know, and if you think break fat loss down, what are you trying to do? Stimulate as much as you possibly can, uh, create as, uh, as much metabolic stress as you can, create a, the biggest calorie deficit as you can, create that EPOC post-exercise oxygen consumption. You know, really uh, break the body down. So stimulating all those varying fibers is, is definitely going to do that. And uh, like you said, it's uh, it's created in the the depths of hell, this one. This is, if done correctly, especially if the the pendulum squat is the the 25, it'll certainly reduce a a grown man to uh, tears. 100%. (laughs) So we were talking about dumbbell pressing earlier in the program,
1: Broaden. So to give an example of how a 612-25 might work for, let's say, chest, Mm. it can be very, very simple in its application. You might start with a 45-degree incline dumbbell press. Nice. For six reps, so you get out some heavy dumbbells and punch out your six reps. Mm -hmm. Drop those, get up, drop the bench maybe down to a a 15 degree incline or or even a flat. Yep. And then you rip out 12 reps with some slightly lighter
0: dumbbells. Maybe throw in a neutral grip there.
1: Certainly, you could switch the Mm. grip up. Mm. And then maybe you wander across to the decline bench with some, you know, just some light, fluffy weights and then try and rip out 25 repetitions with a decline dumbbell press Ooh, nasty and once you've completed that little cycle that's when you get a little bit of rest but the intensity required to get through those workouts huffing and puffing fighting the lactic acid is the real challenge there and and that's why it's so effective for fat loss it's fat loss directly through an increase in the growth hormone release from the the huge amount of lactic acid that you build up stress Um, like you said you're also stimulating a variety of different muscle fibers yep And thirdly, just sheer calorie expenditure. I mean, a leg workout, for instance, of a 6-12-25, by the end of that, you're actually so exhausted and dripping in sweat that you're struggling to get enough calories in in the rest of the day to actually (laughs) get back to your baseline, you know?
0: Yeah, this is true. I mean, fat loss from a a variety of angles with a 6-12-25, particularly particularly brutal workout. And I suppose, you know, if we were describing the 6-12-25, the the time under tension or the, the length of each repetition uh, for those that, that aren't familiar with TUT, or the time and attention, generally a longer rep length. So you might uh, lower the dumbbells for four or five seconds for the six. And then for the 12, you might be down to about uh, three seconds lowering the dumbbells, then pushing up three seconds to lower it. Uh, time and attention um, for the for the reps down a little bit. And then that 25 is more, you're just trying to get them out. You know? yep. You're just trying to get 25 of those bad boys out, uh, keeping form as much as you can. But yeah, that, that, there lies the challenge and, and that really is when the, the metabolic stress <laughs> hits uh, the lofty heights that it needs to be to, um, to get the fat loss. Particularly tough workout. Not one that I'm very fond of. <laughs> I don't mind dishing it out but I don't, I don't, don't enjoy doing I mean, it by uh, no. any stretch of the imagination.
1: You can go to our webpage, cleanhealth.com.au forward slash podcast. Yeah. Download yourself a version of a six twelve twenty five 25 workout.
0: Good luck with that one. Yeah,
1: good luck. You might enjoy it. <laughs> That's the program of the week. The show, Under the Bar, Mm -hmm. the Clean Health Podcast brought to you by Easy Eating. Mikey we old Mikey down there at Easy Eating, and we've got a seven-day clean health starter pack valued at $159.
0: Very generous of us.
1: To give away on the show and today, easy. and as we do each week, you're going to have to make you work for it a little bit, get
0: the thinking hey, caps on. We're not going to give it away, Tom. Well, we are going to give it away, but they... Well,
1: maybe not. <laughs> but, well, well, if they don't guess, they won't get it. We might have to eat it. So what we're going to actually ask your listeners to do, as we do every week, is mm-hmm. uh, pick the secret load. So we've been wandering around the CHPC and we've selected one of our various bars. Yep, could be
0: thick, could be thin. Could be a trap bar. Who knows? Who knows? And then we load
1: it up with some weight. We drop it from a great height.
0: A lofty height.
1: And you've got to try and guess how heavy that load is. Email us in to podcast at cleanhealth.com.au with how heavy you think the weight is. And the closest to or the first correct guess... Will get the easy eating, clean health starter pack. So this is the load for this week.
0: Ooh, meaty! Oh my god, who was that? Who was that? I wonder.
1: <laughs> it, I don't know if it sounded reasonably heavy. I, I'm not sure. Had a real, real twang. A little had bit had of a, a twang, twang. to it. We might just have that one more time. Thanks, Cam.
0: Ooh, meaty!
1: No. <laughs> there we have it. So, however <laughs> it was heavy meaty. you think that that load might be let us know podcast at cleanhealth.com.au for your chance to win a week's worth of easy eating tasty, food tasty a Clean Fruit. Health Starter Pack valued at 160 bucks Yes, well, I hope you're enjoying the show thus far. It's been a big one. You're listening to Under the Bar, the Clean Health Podcast with Rawdon and Tommy. Yes. And our very special guest on this episode is Mr. Keegan Smith. He is the Head of Strength and Power at the Sydney Roosters. And Rawdon, I've actually been looking forward to getting Keegan into the studio because he's a friend of Clean Health. And he is. Actually, I believe I met him first at one of the Clean Health internships. Internship that, programs. That we run down at the CHPC. Yes. And uh, to be brutally honest, I didn't actually know who he was at that stage and i got a feeling I got roped into coaching one of the workouts and I might have given Keegs a bit of a hard time on the, <laughs> on, on the pendulum squat. Right, right there, come on, buddy, let's go, give me 20. Yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs>
0: Standard, the internship, the yeah. pendulum, you yeah. know.
1: Of course, if I'd actually known who he was, I think it would have been a bit of a different story. You yes. know? Come on, Kegs, a couple of man, just a deep breath and give yeah. uh, the showers, I'll go get you a fresh towel. A you know, to cut some oranges for him. Um, a bit of no-seriosity. Since then, uh, I've attended a number of Keegan's uh, seminars and I always enjoy getting his spin on, not only on strength and conditioning and training but the holistic aspect yeah. of his approach towards, uh, I guess, health as the basis of performance. So, Keegs, thanks for coming in, mate. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> now, we'll stick with the Roosters because that's the hot topic. You're a pretty humble guy and you won't claim too many accolades for the success that you've had over these last couple of seasons but in a competition like the NRL to get a premiership, to win a minor premiership, every little piece of the puzzle has to fall into place because it's so competitive. So what do you think it is that you're doing down there that, that makes a difference in terms of the physical preparation of these athletes?
2: Yeah, Tom, it's been uh, really interesting to, to be a part of this group and, and work in rugby league sort of professionally for the last four years. Uh, it's probably a lot different to what people imagine it on the outside. And I think the, the biggest value that, that I offer is probably in the environment that I try and support and create for the guys. Um, so whether that's in the gym in terms of you know being able to compete and enjoy the gym environment stay accountable to each other you know those sorts of things i think are some of the the key components of what i do and then you know trying to have that carry over into other aspects of life because as you know you know in the gyms we have them for you know maybe two three four hours a week Uh, but what they're doing for the rest of that week is going to have a huge impact on performance as well and I'd like to think that the roosters of the club that's doing the best job in those other hours and I think that,
1: that may be just as important as you know the, the sets and reps that we know. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's the big challenge really with whether you're dealing with a team or in the case of Rawdon and myself we deal with uh, individuals who come and invest in a program and we can spend so much time with them in the gym but getting everything to fall into place outside of that, that's it's kind of like the 80-20 rule. I mean, is where the results are, are gained,
0: it probably would be similar. Actually, you know, the closer you get to that magic formula, the the better your teams performing and it's sort of like the guys that, that you know, for me are coming into comp it, it's really they really do tighten the belt and really dot the i's cross the t's with the with the sleep and the controlling their cheap meals and basically following the instructions to a T and, and that really is the difference in those last three or four weeks. Yeah you know, probably won't be three or four weeks for a, a league team but maybe the last sort of uh, couple of couple of months, you know getting everything right would play a fundamental role in how they're performing. It's probably
2: you know the big rocks you know, a lot of you know teams will look at sports science now, and they'll go into the nth degree of detail about you know GPS and how many meters guys yeah. have kept tracked in a session. You know, down to the down to the meter sort of targets. You know, 100 meters in the, in the session, sort of three-kilometer session or four-kilometer session. They don't want to go 200 meters over. Um, but then, some of the big rocks away from that, where the guys are happy in other aspects of their life. You know, whether eating real food. Um, whether they're getting some sleep you know those things are the big rocks that you know often get overlooked in programs and um, i think if you can get them into place then guys just feel completely different about themselves and about the work they do and um, you know the the ceiling on
1: what's possible is is much higher Mm. with your approach to nutrition kegs i mean i know you're a a big advocate of food not only as fuel but as nourishment (laughs) a certain degree, and I guess you kind of have a belief that food has a certain energy to it, and an an organic whole food is much better to the system and better for performance. Do you sort of try and get that message across to the guys?
2: Yeah, and Tom, it's been interesting coming to the Roosters, because they've actually had a bit of that going on before I got there, uh, with Anthony Minichiello, made a big switch, um, and you can can read about that on on my blog, you know, from uh, basically, he grew up in a household of of whole foods, you know, on a farm, and eating well and then when he came to professional sport he was actually encouraged into lots of white bread Gatorade you know carb up all that sort of nonsense and, and it broke his body down mm. so he had to actually go back to sort of what his grandma taught him in a way um, and he found it through you know guys in, in Bondi who, who teach that, that that sort of approach uh, but he then introduced that to a lot of the team and they sort of dabbled in things like that uh, looking at whole foods you know broth and liver and um, mm-hmm. grass fed meats and uh, you know those sorts of things and with me coming back, I think the time was really right. The guys were hurting from some, you know, having a difficult season the year before, and and they were really ready to take on a new challenge in terms of how they prepare themselves for rugby league. And you know, that's something I'm really passionate about. And together with those, you know, those sort of stars aligning, you know, we've been able to do something that I think is is different to to what most teams are doing.
0: Did uh, Anthony's performance did it diminish when he uh, nutritionally? You know, was told to have the, you know, processed foods and and Gatorade and that sort of stuff. Was his performance less? Because I know um, Sebastian, you know, avoids gluten because he, when he's pushing the numbers in the gym, will notice joint health. And basically the inflammation caused by the gluten for him, he will see uh, a reduction in performance. Was that the case with Anthony or...?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know, Anthony himself will admit that the you know, prescription medications were a big part of the picture there as well, yeah. and alcohol. You know, he was a young guy with a lot of yeah. success, so I think his, his footy was actually really good at that time, um, but then it got to the point with some, some injuries that it was going to be over in his mid-20s if he didn't right. do something about it. So it wasn't probably so much like finer details on you know, how, how he was getting through sessions or you know, strength numbers. It was more like whether he was going to retire or uh, whether he was going to do something about it let his body heal and, and continue on and he's, he's gone on to be our captain and you know yeah. he's been one of our best players this year at 34, he's about to retire yeah. um, so that's a pretty good testament to the, to the change it was basically not play or do what he's done
0: or he, yeah, have a few more years, yeah, amazing
1: So what's your approach, keys with nutrition with your guys and I guess with the people that you work with on an individual basis are you counting calories, breaking down macros or are you just trying to set up a, a baseline of eating whole foods and Making healthy, nutritious choices.
2: A lot of our stuff isn't really body composition focused. Um, most of the guys I work with are around about the size that we want them, and the level of detail for you know macro and calorie counting, those sorts of things, is, is just not the level that guys are at in yeah. terms of the detail that they put into that part of their life. Yeah. And they've got a lot of other aspects of their life that they have to nail with you know promotions and learning game plans and um, you know the demands of, of daily living that. For us, it's not necessarily practical, but I don't think it's necessary either. So the focus is on you know, nutrient density of, of their meals, and we find that they, they generally self-regulate pretty well. If we're if we asking them for them to drop a little bit, they'll, you know, they'll find a way to, to do that, basically through uh, just cutting their portion sizes a little bit, or making sure they're clean, you know, cutting out some of the, the junk. I wouldn't say you know, the standards in our, in our meals and the quality of food that we have is anything like what you, ha- you guys have in the physique. um department but you've got to take into consideration that these guys mostly come from you know lower income families and they may have grown up not eating anything that we would consider you know real food so to shift towards just eating vegetables regularly and eating meat decent quality meat and, and just focusing on those things just makes a huge difference in the way their bodies feel. If you can think about you know, going from living on Pop-Tarts and Minis um, yeah, you know, to, to real foods, it's, it's not necessarily the level that, that we're needing to go to um, with these guys. And, and most of them are genetically you know, blessed, they're training hard. If they just get it you know somewhere near right, it it gets amazing results so there's there's a different sort of a market that you know you guys are working in but that's what we sort of need to get done at at our level and all our team meals you know are along those lines so the guys have an example of what they should be eating and and i'd say our team meals are a lot different to other teams based on when we go to hotels we always have to have you know special requests and say no no take that away bring this out you know having butter out for the guys or cream and stuff like that you know is like a they can't get their heads around at hotels because everyone else is ordering you know everything low fat and just putting white bread everywhere and you know like it's it's a different approach but it's those big rocks I guess that we really focus on.
1: I guess you mentioned the difference between the market that you deal with and the market that Rod and I deal with Let's appeal to our market a little bit because it is a clean health podcast. What is your nutritional philosophy, and how would you fundamental you know, yeah. the fundamentals of putting yeah. together a plan for someone, or what you feel improves performance and body composition, health, and all that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, so say someone's already you know eating generally quite well, and they're and they're wanting to go to the next level, then I will look to get them to include organ meats coming from grass fed sources. So you know, I usually have um, some liver. You know, at least once a week. My wife actually made it the other day, sort of with together with mints, put it through a mincer, and put it in with the mints, okay. um, together with some veggies and stuff. And it's absolutely beautiful. Like I, I really enjoy it when it's when it's done well. Yeah, it, it can be horrendous. I can see it, <laughs> I can see people even listening to the podcast, you know, screwing up their noses. But oh, no. I used
1: to have uh, axolotls when I was uh, when I was growing up. I used to feed them kidney and, and liver, and it's the thought of. Eating them myself is pretty tough, but that's not a bad idea. Keeks, mince it up. Okay. So organ meats—that's one thing. Yeah,
2: they're the you know the most nutrient-dense foods. If you look at any other culture, you know if you go to markets in Asia the organ meats are much more expensive than the muscle meats the muscle meats have always been considered you know junk mm, in, in nature yeah. if, if a lion makes a kill it'll go for the organ meats and leave right. the, the the rest behind so you know what made us human was our ability to to get some of that and also you know to break into the bones and, and eat brains and eat bone marrow um, mm-hmm. and these were the foods that our ancestors uh, you know they, they thrived on and they've just completely disappeared from from the western diet so even people eating a paleo diet can be missing out on you know fundamentally what what got us to where we are
0: now yeah I'll just also say that even uh, back in the day the the, the bodybuilders the the big supplement of choice was the desiccated liver hundred you know, percent, with a very nutrient dense but that had all the uh, you know an amino acid profile that uh, rivals uh, anything that you can get today and um, yeah I've got a couple of tops at home I haven't cracked it open yet but I might get into that after today's uh, episode. Aside from the organ meats kegs where do you
1: move to next like what are your preferred sources of fat
2: yeah, coconut oil is a is a big one for us. Coconut milk and, and those sorts of things they go well into into meals. You know, you can you can cook with it really easily, and that's probably the you know the oil of choice for cooking. And then um, I'm a big fan of ghee um, for some butter is is really good as well but it just depends if how, what sort of issues they have with dairy proteins yeah you know it's, it's a lower risk option to go for the ghee if you can get it in bulk from the indian stores then it's um mm. can be pretty economical and it, it's a really good source as well I, I think uh for the for the fats
0: and you love the butter too you mentioned the butter earlier yeah yeah just like straight butter not the clarified the ghee just yeah if you don't have an issue bread. with
2: dairy then you know good quality butter you know there's not massive amounts of those dairy proteins in there so you know a lot of yeah. people will be really good with it and usually
0: uh, most people tolerate the butter don't they
2: yeah 100 percent and then the, the fats from the meats as well you know the, the fatty cuts of meat have <laughs> always been sort of um, more valued and they're the ones that, that i really enjoy you know but as long as they're coming from grass-fed sources so the fatty yeah. fatty acid profile of the animal is is healthy you know that's yeah. that's uh that's what you want you know one of my favorite meals actually was when i lived out in uh, in the outback we had we used to go hunting for kangaroos and the kangaroo favourite part of the kangaroo was always the tail and the tail is where the kangaroo stores it's fat and the kangaroo tail is absolutely <laughs> delicious if is that anyone, right if anyone has a, a, yeah, the opportunity to, to sample that you can buy it at the the grocery stores where there's uh, indigenous communities and,
1: yeah. and uh, three or four bucks cook it up in alfoil Ooh. fantastic
0: yeah right a bit of garlic and
1: uh, some herbs what's your stance on carbohydrates then Keys? and do you work those in around training or open slather how do you fit those into a meal plan
2: yeah, I, I guess it depends on the goals of the individual. You know, it is definitely easier to lean down if you, if you make some rules around carbohydrate for guys who are, who are trying to trim down. Um, so, if, yeah, around, around meals and the evenings are probably the, pr- the approach that I prefer for, for guys who are trying to get lean. But for guys who are just focusing on performance, high volume of training, you know, we'll include, include them at, at breakfast as well. It yeah. uh, so really just depends on training volume. For your average sort of gym-goer who's not necessarily hammering themselves for you know, two or three sessions a day, um, you know, it's probably good to have some time away from carbohydrate during the day, and generally that's you know best in the morning,
1: just to keep that insulin sensitivity.
0: Pretty similar stuff to what we do down at the
1: CHPC. I've learned from the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's have a bit of a chat about your training philosophies, then Keegs. I mean, you. You spread across such a wide variety of things, you know, I go to your seminars, I come back and I fluff around on the rings and fall over doing handstands and various things like that, but you also, obviously, you're training in a professional football club, you've got to get guys to move a bit of metal at times, so do you find the combination of calisthenics and and some heavy lifting actually improves performance?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at rugby league, it's a very complex sport in terms of the the motor patterns that are involved, you know, you've Mm. got to be able to run fast, change direction at speed, you know, smash into other blokes. You know, throw them around. Uh, the, the neurological demands of these athletes—you know—they're—they're they're motor geniuses to be able to do what they do. They mm. may not be academic geniuses, some of them, but <clears they're, throat> you know, the majority yeah. of them are motor geniuses. You know, they can solve physical problems. And the guys who can do a standing backflip or a running—you know—front flip and that sort of thing are the guys who dominate the game and become special. So, mm. there's definitely a role for complexity in our training, and uh, and uh, that's you know something that comes in in terms of the calisthenics and that sort of stuff. Mm. It's also keeping guys fresh, keeping guys honest, keeping them you know interested in what they're doing there's always a challenge aspect to what I do so if I don't want to necessarily challenge them with a 1RM back squat or you know a a heavy a clean and jerk then you know we might just work on um, you might have a challenge at the end of the warm up who can hold a handstand for the longest and you know guys love that these guys you know they're born to compete they they love being in that environment and if you can have them enjoying that environment you know performance spikes massively you know the program that you write is is, you know, as you guys know, the execution is, is what really uh, yeah. is gonna make the difference and, and the emotional attachment you have to that program and to the yeah. environment that you're in at that time, you know, is, is gonna have such a big impact on anything that's written down on paper. Yeah.
0: Uh, have you seen an improvement in performance in because I know I still see you on Facebook, you're still squatting, you're still front squatting, you're still trying to get your numbers up on those various lifts. The calisthenics um has, has that helped to any degree with that stuff? Yeah, it's interesting, you know. I, I guess I worked pretty hard at trying to get those
2: numbers up. You know, just powerlifting, keeping it low reps all the time, and doing um, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've gone past those numbers. Um, in you know, it sort of took almost a year away from heavy barbell work, and it's been. Uh, sort of nine months, more or less, since I've been back to doing it, and I've surpassed all my all my previous numbers. So I'm awesome. getting my training age is obviously, you know, increasing as as yeah. uh, as my hair falls out as well. But you know, I'm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm doing. I'm at you know I'm at best levels I've been on all those lifts. You know, I just recently snatched 100 kilos, which I never thought I'd be able to do. And I yeah. think that's in large part down to my ability to stabilize weight overhead, and some of the things that I've picked up yeah, um, yeah. through the calisthenics. I think have played a, a big part in that. So I think it works well together.
0: So the, the motor skills that you spoke about.
2: Yeah, and just being able to stabilize a really heavy yeah. load overhead. If, if you're able to do a one-arm handstand and and, and sort of stabilize that, <laughs> you know, against the wall, even without yeah. the balance component, yep. you know, you've got. or 100% of your body weight going through that, you know, that shoulder joint. Then when you go back to 100 kilo snatch, you know, you've only got 50 kilos on each on each shoulder joint. You know, so and that's that's sort of been a a limit for me. You know, growing up, I often felt like my shoulders were going to dislocate. My brother had two Ricos going into snatch. That was something that I worried about. You know, Mm. and doing the handstands has definitely um, you know given me a lot more confidence in my shoulders, and they they haven't felt like they're going to sublux or anything at any time um, in in the last sort of year and a bit when I've been getting into this stuff so I think it's it can be a really valuable addition in terms of performance and you will see the Chinese weightlifters doing you know handstand push-ups for ridiculous amounts of reps and even the old school guys like Doug Hepburn and whatnot you know were able to do freestanding handstand push-ups so this stuff has been involved it's not uh, I'm not inventing this.
0: (laughs) Well even um, the infamous Brian uh, our resident criminal lawyer down at the CHPC uh, he is following a clock off program at the moment, and uh, various times throughout the week you'll see him with a couple of stacks of plates doing uh, handstands with with the plates on each hand. So clock off, one of the best uh, limb lifters in the world certainly has it in his program as well. So you're on I the I think money you got there. it off me actually. Yeah, <laughs> no, I no, saw one then. of your uh, videos on Facebook. And what about um, body composition, like muscle mass, when you did change from you know the big movements to more of the the body weight movements? Did did that change?
2: Yeah, I got a bit lighter, and it got to the point where I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These, these chicken legs have, have, you know, they're even skinny for chicken legs now. So, yeah, I probably got down to like 77, like 79 to 77 was probably my average towards the end of the, the stint of just focusing on calisthenics. And I was doing like uh, pistol squats and whatnot. But, yeah, since getting back into some more barbell work and I'm using this time progress method, you know, which is a, a really simple way to get some, some volume into training so I can push up my training volume quite a bit now. I can, yeah, can basically choose to if I want to put on mass I'll just do a little bit of higher rep work yeah, um, on these compound man. lifts and I find that my body weight's jumping easily so I sit around 82 at the moment and that's um, around sort of where I want to be I, I yeah. like having that mix of being able to you know, do the, the the calisthenics type stuff, and yep. and I don't really, I'm not really interested in in bodybuilding at the, at the moment. <laughs> it's all sort of performance based. Sorry, I'm sorry. There's Can the door.
1: Just <laughs> explain the time progress
2: yeah. program, keeks Yeah. So basically, it's just five minute blocks of training, and you either do. Uh, you either have to complete 5, 15, 25 or 50 reps within that 5 minute block. So basically it works out to be either 1, 3, 5 or 10 reps each minute. And it's just a really simple way to keep people accountable, you know. Uh, the problem I see is that most people when they go to the gym, they just they lose focus and they're playing on their phones and there's no intensity in their training and they can't track what results they're getting. So it's, it's just uh, reverse engineered to be able to th- make things really simple so that people can get really good results, um, keep themselves accountable, make it super simple. Um, and it's actually, I sort of designed it for other people but I've fallen in love with the method myself. I really enjoy this style of training so I, I know that I have to get through at least two five minute blocks of training for that day and if I do that, I'm progressing towards my strength goals. So you know, I hit PBs almost every day Based on whether I'm hitting a five-rep target or a 15-rep target, I keep track of those records, and yeah, all, all my strength records are going up, and it's it makes it um, a lot smaller mental challenge to to get your head around what you have to do that day for you know someone who's busy. Um, and not necessarily going to put aside time for their training it's, it's, it's less of a mental mountain to, to sort of get over so yeah, I've been using that for a while I've had some of my athletes use it you know I've used it with uh, with yeah. some of the big names at the Roosters and and my online program and yeah the feedback has, has been really good so I'm, I'm so looking to
1: roll that out as an app just describe it if you were doing a squat workout is it just the one exercise in that block of time that you do or is it an A1 A2 or how do you
2: yeah no I, I, it's just it's just on that one exercise Pick one so, movement. Yeah. You, yep. don't to, uh, you don't have to you don't have to monopolise the gym or anything and it, it kind of brings some more density into that movement so yesterday I did it um, I haven't done you know dumbbell bench for ages and yesterday I thought you know first session back into dumbbell bench I'll do yeah. 10 reps every minute so basically you get your 10 reps done you've got like 30 seconds rest then you're on again Okay. so I did it you know I pulled out the 25 kilos thinking yeah this is this will okay. be sweet like I'll you know I'll do it easy for the first day back and I'll just build from here uh-huh. um, you know after three sets you know on those short turnarounds you just you're just feeling a burn yeah. and like after the you know the five minutes I just had a huge huge pump in my chest for like yeah. two, <laughs> two minutes after that, um, and it, it's it's yeah, it is it is a bit of volume, and it's like based in a short time period. Uh, but I found it very very effective for getting strength gains as well. So rather than doing an hour and a half session on squats, I know if I can get these five minutes done, I can push my squat up, and I've I've done that with you know pushing my front squat up twenty kilos, um, just in simple you know five minute blocks, um, two three times a week. Um, so awesome. yeah it's 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 pretty cool well we might uh take that
0: and uh, sell it as ours down at the CHPC it sounds <laughs> yeah. pretty good mate <laughs> yeah you heard just it from from us on the <laughs> put a clean health logo on under it the, bar and, key, uh, get the marketing
1: machine behind it oh yeah thanks geeks thanks, uh, you mate. guys
2: you guys are using all the best programs down there so i'd be honored <laughs> if you were uh
1: so mate, in terms of supplementation for you guys and for the people that you work with online what are your philosophies in that realm
2: yeah, I've probably been to uh, I've been to the extreme of like a thousand bottles of uh, pills, and yeah. you know, working working it all out, you're know, carrying them around, rattling, rattling around the world. Um, <laughs> at the moment, I've probably gone back to simplifying things a little bit. I still use you know the basics, um, some magnesium. Generally, try and use that topically as much as I can. Um, some cod liver oil, fish oil. I've got a newborn baby, and and she's just actually started to to have some cod liver oil and she really likes it actually so she might have a taste for that liver that you were um, oh yes turn your nose up about before but yeah then just yeah sort of making sure i try and get some sun but then you know get taking some vitamin d uh, during winter
1: what's the um the hydrogen supplement that i see you promote from time to time i'm curious
2: yeah so there's quite a bit of research behind uh molecular hydrogen it mostly comes out of japan it's a selective antioxidant um and it has an anti-inflammatory effect uh, on the body and, and improves cell signaling. So there's, there's heaps of different research papers about that. Mostly it's, it's been used in, in water. So th- those really fancy water machines like Kenji and water that you might have heard of or like alc- alkalized water. I think you guys might even yeah. have one, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So w- the, the thing is that it's probably not the pH that's having the positive effect there. It's probably the nano nanobubbles of, of hydrogen, molecular hydrogen. Um so that's there when you first drink it out of one of those machines, but then it kind of quickly dissipates.
1: If it sits in a glass for a while, it dissipates. yeah yeah
2: okay um, and they're, what they're saying now is that that yeah this basically this supplement is able to get it into your system and it um, yeah, it, it acts you know more quickly and um, yeah, it's been the biggest probably change in my training this year that I've been able to train, you know, super consi- like with a lot more consistency than I have in the past, and just deal with more training volume despite you know sleep deprivation of a new baby and um, a business and, and you yeah. know running an NRL team strength program and all that stuff. Like I've, I think it's really helped me to be able to deal with that. And the, the neural kind of hangovers of high intensity work um, yeah. are definitely. It's a definitely a different sensation since I've been using uh, this
0: supplement. How, how often do you have it? Is it round training? or?
2: Yeah, I have it pretty much every day. Like I was like religiously smashing it every day uh, for, for a good while there. Um, but I think it sort of has a, there's kind of a residual effect where it cleans up some stuff and you don't maybe need it quite as much. Yeah. Now I, I generally use like five in the morning and five um, before training. Uh, but I, I wouldn't necessarily use it. Um, I'm not. I'm not as religious with it at the moment, just because I'm. I'm getting done what I need to get done, and I'm. I'm dealing with that
1: kind of volume pretty Five well. What? Like, what would tablets, you to, tablets. Tablets. Alright. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, that's that's amazing. Amazing. yeah. So mate, what's happening with your online uh, project, and what's sort of next on the cards for you, mate? Yeah. So I've just uh, recently, you know, opened up again the
2: Integrative Strength Coach certification. Uh, that runs through the workshop the you know the, the strength essentials workshop that you yep. that you came to Tommy and then um, a four-day internship that's limited to sort of just ten people so I get to really work closely with some guys for four days and then there's an online component to that which runs basically a weekly accountability call and it's either uh, me presenting you know training systems that I use or, or guest coaches so I've had some some good guest coaches on there um, the guys have really enjoyed um you know, having having those guys on and just the regular contact uh, there has been has been really positive. Um, so that's sort of part of what I'm doing, just trying to support PTs and and guys who want to get into strength and conditioning to be able to have um, an avenue into that. Um, then I've also got a, a members program. that's basically more for, for gym goers to be able to help them to get more out of their training if they're you know going into the your average you know snap or fitness first or whatever to have a bit more of a plan so they can yeah. you know get some better results. And, and again with that there's an accountability group that we have which is, um, been getting some some good feedback you know online forum, um, and and then we run some some webinars and stuff for those guys as well. So trying to make it pretty personal, trying to sort of actually. You know, know the guys and have the, give them the opportunity to, to interact in this world of you know uh, digital stuff that yeah. sometimes is a bit nameless and faceless and, and static. And trying to sort
1: of do that stuff a little bit differently. Well, sounds exciting, mate. Well, look, thanks very much for coming in today and, and having a bit of a
0: chat. And all uh, well, thanks to Keegan Smith and the the organ meat. <laughs> <laughs> That's well a great ad for liver. <laughs> thanks, keegan Cheers, mate, guys. Man. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Fat loss supplementation, Roden, as you actually touched on at the top of the show, anything that we do talk about supplementation-wise is is really only applicable in an environment where all the nutrition and all the training and all those other I's are dotted and the T's are crossed in that aspect, and then you can play around with finishing touches and supplementation and stuff like that. So if you're still struggling to get your your food plan organized and compliance with the nutrition that your trainer might have given you, then, um, you know... Supplementation is not going to have a profound effect on your no. on your results, but it, it can be very good for the icing on the cake. Definitely, what we're looking at this week is caffeine. Mm. Caffeine has some, you know, some pretty well-founded applications in fat loss. One of the things that's great about it is that it's easily accessible, it's cost-effective, and it's fairly bang for buck. Mm. It affects fat loss in a number of different ways. One of them, from a training perspective, is just training drive and training intensity having some caffeine pre-workout stimulates the central nervous
0: system allows the individual to go full mongrel and uh, really push themselves
1: but from a more of a physiological standpoint rawdon it does play a role in actually mobilizing fatty acids for energy
0: yeah yeah fatty acid from the fat cell to be oxidized in the energy powerhouse the mitochondria and um, provide fuel for the workout if you will
1: So, I guess there's a few things to take into account when you think about caffeine. Yeah. One of them is that the body does become tolerant to it. So, Mm. if you are using caffeine for a purely fat loss purpose... You might want to think about actually cycling that from time to time. So maybe give yourself a couple of weeks off caffeine before yeah. bringing it back into into the routine. Yeah. You know, if you just enjoy coffee pre workout and all that kind of stuff, well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But then I guess you have to think about how much caffeine you're actually ingesting. And I know Rawdon, one of your clients who you were <laughs> uh, providing nutritional advice for, who was based in the UK, got his numbers mixed up with some caffeine with some pretty dire
0: consequences. Yeah, yeah. He um either he mistook how much I told him to take. And made a mistake there. Or he thought that it was BCAAs, or he took like 20 of them, or something. But either way, it was a...
1: So he was taking caffeine in a, what, a capsule form? Capsule,
0: yeah. So for fat loss, I guess, the caffeine-specific supplementation, empty stomach, doing your training, cardiovascular work, whatever it may be, would have a more profound fat loss effect. You can certainly have coffee, for sure. It is in coffee. But yeah, he was taking it in a supplemental form, and... Uh, you know, he sort of uh, went offline and uh, I was also working with a good friend of his over there. He told me that he'd actually been uh, admitted to hospital. He he took a, I mean, it sort of sounds funny, but it's pretty serious. He actually had a, a ridiculously high heart rate that the even at the hospital they couldn't bring down. So, you know, on the verge of having a heart attack, he was over, his nervous system was overstimulated. So, certainly in uh, excessive amounts, caffeine is, is not your friend. and. Um, you know, it can uh, you know, have dire consequences if you, if you do abuse caffeine, that's for sure. But uh, he's fine now, and, and um, it took him a couple of days to come, come back down. But, uh, yeah, pretty scary stuff. First time taking the supplementation, and, uh, yeah, got his numbers mixed up. But, uh, yeah, you don't want to uh, – if you are taking supplemental form, make sure you get your uh, dosages
1: correct. Speaking of which, what would you, and what do you recommend for your clientele?
0: I generally, like a cup of coffee is about 100, 150 milligrams of of caffeine, I suppose. But I generally, if they're taking supplemental form, will go anywhere from 200 up to about 600 milligrams. I know, again, Charles Poliquin, he loves caffeine as a a stimulant for a workout, loves it pre-training. He likes to go um, high for, for his clients. But... I guess for me, I always err on the side of caution and and start lower. One to 200 milligrams, see how that affects the individual. But anywhere from 200 to 600 is the general rule of thumb with caffeine uh, supplementation. But... It certainly can stimulate the workout but it, uh, if you become overstimulated and that anxiety and that rapid uh, heartbeat and the elevated breathing rate then it can it can really actually detract from the workout so helping fat loss or stimulating a, a workout is one thing but uh, to take you beyond that uh, that comfortable position you're in and then put you into that hyperactive state is it really is quite um, especially if you're doing cardiovascular uh, interval type work where you're going to bring the heart rate up substantially uh, anyway or something like the 6 20 when you're really getting the heart rate up with that 25 reps so uh, it is a, a vasoconstrictor to some degree so with volume type work with the 61225s, 25s you'd probably still go with a bit of caffeine because you're primarily uh, trying to go for fat loss rather than hypertrophy but if you were mm. doing 61225 25 for hypertrophy which it could certainly be used for maybe some sort of vasodilator might be more in your alley so you can really increase that metabolic stress and, and stimulate the, the type 1 fibers but but um Yeah, so anywhere between 200 and 600 uh, milligrams, not grams.
1: And that has been the program. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. Under the bar, the Clean Health Podcast, some takeaway points for you. Get stuck into some dumbbell pressing. Uh, uses pecs, triceps, shoulder stabilizers, scapula stabilizers, the inner core unit, the glutes, the whole lot. It's a total body movement. Whole kit and caboodle. Work it into your routine. And uh, program. Have a crack at the uh, 61225. Go onto our website, cleanhealth.com.au forward slash podcast. Download that, uh, that program and, and have a crack at it. Let us know how you go.
0: Ooh, nasty.
1: Thanks for tuning in.